America Meditating Radio Show, we collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts 24-7. Hi, I'm Sister Jenna. Join me and guests as we amplify stories that compel us to be more for ourselves and everyone else around us. Hi, I'm Angela Peabody of Global Woman Peace Foundation, and I listen to America's Meditating Radio Show. some first graders were promised a college education. This came from Oral Lee Brown, who saved a large portion of her modest income, sending 19 kids to college, helping others pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hello, everybody. This is Alona Holland, listener of the America Meditating Radio Show. I'd like to convey my thanks to you, Sister Jenna and Sister Gita, all the way from Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Ivy Hilton, and you are listening to America Meditating Radio Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. We're broadcasting from the Meditation Museum in the nation's capital. We're looking forward to the continuation of the Belief Series as we lead up to the final days on October 24th. 
And on a beautiful conversation on the conference call, it was so profound to hear the incredible shift of consciousness that's been taking place globally, for sure, but absolutely in this country alone. We're looking at seeing how we can unite and understand each other better by being more responsible for our lives, really. If we're responsible for our life, then no one has to look out for us all the time. And in the morning meditation class, I was asking the students, to what extent have you brought your complete self into your relationship? And how much of you is still under some sort of an influence of what someone has told you or what you were impressed by another? In other words, are you listening to the divine, to God, and are you able to bring your true sense of self into your relationships because you know what I've observed for myself? A sign that you're not bringing yourself into life is that things don't function well. With some influence, there's something that is just not focused within your being. There's some obstruction in your energy or atmosphere and that can definitely keep you either half asleep or half awake or definitely leaving you in another space of consciousness. You know, we get such a wonderful array of individuals in our radio show. Each one continues to teach me something as well as our listeners, and we also hope that you're also learning of definitely as much as we are. Today we have the wonderful Reverend Alan Pritz, who's an interfaith minister, meditation teacher, spiritual counselor. He has taught inner sciences for almost 40 years inspired by the teachings of Pramahansa Yogananda. In 2008, Reverend Pritz founded Awake in Life to provide meditation training and spiritual counseling for individuals and meditation and work-life balance programs for organizations. He is the author of A Pocket Guide to Meditation and Meditation as a Way of Life, Philosophy and Practice, which won the 2015 Benjamin Franklin Silver Award in the Mind, Body, Spirit category, and he has also produced numerous of CDs. And today we welcome Reverend Pritz to the America Meditating Radio Show. Very warm welcome, my brother. Well, hi. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. You've been a long-time teacher of, of inner sciences. I like that tremendously. Please tell us a little bit about what that means, though, for those of us who are still young to the game of deeper thinking. <laughs> sure, and I use the term inner sciences. I think I originally borrowed it from the Dalai Lama, who coined the phrase, if I remember correctly, because it seemed to uh, capture a Western concept of science, which is something which is so prevalent and well-received in the West, and applied it to the, the nature of consciousness, which is what the inner practices of meditation and spiritual development focus on. So inner sciences really deals with the capacity for harnessing the life force and consciousness that pervade each of us and using them in a directed, focused way to achieve higher degrees of realization of oneself in relationship uh, with spirit. Fantastic, because I think uh, whenever, whenever I even hear the whole concept of science, you know, my whole awareness starts to go outside of myself. But when you mention the inner sciences, then it takes the conversation to a completely different level. Quite so. And um, as you had mentioned, I am a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. I'm also an interfaith minister. So I just mentioned that by a virtue of framework. But the uh, one of the concepts that oftentimes gets overlooked in popular conversation of yoga these days is that many people tend to think of it in terms of the 
physical practices of hatha yoga, etc. But truly, yoga in its classical and truest form is the, the science of reuniting soul awareness with its infinite nature as spirit, and it's the capacity of by which a person learns to internalize their life force and consciousness and direct it in appropriate and meaningful ways in order to achieve this state of reunion or reuniting, yoking the soul to spirit. It's a, uh, I would say, it's a non-religious, it's a universal practice. And those are the deeper natures of yoga. And uh, the scientific aspect implies that these are reproducible things that have been distilled and uh, realized after thousands of years of refinement and direct experience such that they are applicable to anybody regardless of their faith walk in order to help individuals uh, achieve the highest degree of consciousness that they're capable of achieving. Wow, absolutely clear and very beautifully said. You know, our organization, the Brahma Kumaris, have been a member of the belief team, and it it includes various spiritual religious organizations, um, civic organizations, spiritual organizations. It's promoting a kind of a global conversation that's needed, and Oprah Winfrey's network has launched a seven-day docu-series called Belief. It explores what we believe in and how we're actually connected. I'd love if you can share your thoughts on this, because for thousands of years we have have been offered scriptures and pathways to cultivate a better humanity. But why at this time? When resources are so abundant, we're still in during suffering in the world, what would be your response to how we can connect to a highest source called God, and how can we reduce or end the suffering of humanity? Yeah, those are (laughs) wonderful questions. I know they're small questions, right? (laughs) Yeah, little simple questions. Let let me say this, that first of all, you know, from my framework, the, the world is a school. It's a platform for growth and development. It's uh, an evolutional process, and even though thousands of years sounds like a great amount of time, the fact of the matter is is that the population at this point in time simply reflects a certain stage of evolutionary consciousness that the world is currently in. And so without getting into too much esoteric what have you, the reality is is that the, the world, much like every year goes through various different seasons, spring, summer, autumn, and fall, the world also goes through different phases of growth, ascension, and descension. In yogic tradition, these are called the yugas. And they refer to, much like in the Aquarian age of um, uh, a certain vernacular, we have entered into a particular phase of growth where consciousness is uh, moving into a rapid acceleration into awareness of energy and energetic paradigms. So from the turn of the century, you have E equals MC square and a rapid forward movement in all world activity and awareness dealing with an energetic paradigm. So this is just a blink in the eye of the process of humanity. We can't rush <laughs> faster than the, um, the the way things are in, in motion. I'd, I'd like to say that there was a magic pill that people could take, and you say, why at a time when resources are so abundant? Well, you know, we've we've gained abundance through increased awareness, but our technological and material capabilities are not caught up with um, 
the emotional and spiritual development which as yet needs to happen. We're in a dangerous transition time when if people are not able to cultivate deeper spiritual awareness of their unity with all, we have the capacity for great damage. This is simply a troubled time which is transitional, much like growing pains from a youth to an adolescent to an adult, uh, has to be weathered, has to be uh, dealt with in many of the ways that you're doing. And um, this quest for connection to a higher source, to God, etc., it's part of our DNA because, I'll say DNA, we are fundamentally souls inhabiting bodies. We're not bodies that are looking for a soul. So our very nature is spirit itself encapsulized in a human frame and form for the purpose of learning, growth, and evolution. The innate subconscious drive or conscious drive to connect is simply because that's who we are. That's kind of like asking a fish, why do you crave water? Well, that's its home. Our souls are by their very nature uh, looking for reconnection with their deepest aspect of being. That's the process of waking up. Intense, intense, but needed to be heard because we are definitely being called to raise our level of consciousness, whether by choice or by tragedy, don't you think? You know, well, I do. At, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. No, but, no, it's true. Go ahead. Okay, it is. And, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that oftentimes meets people uh, uncomfortably. Um, suffering is good for it brings people closer to God. Nobody likes to hear that. But the fact of the matter is it's kind of true. Um, If people were content with everything as is, they would make no effort to look further. And uh, the reality is is that life will continue to deal various different blows to a person because as long as the search for fulfillment is turned outwards in drug, sex, rock and roll, to just be a little flip there, but through material acquisition and pleasure – we actually find that we're uh, thwarting the purpose of realization, which is that the joy, the fulfillment, the things that we're looking for, which are lasting and permanent, permanent, are of a spiritual nature, and those can only be found within. And without the kinds of hard knocks of life, we are um, basically not going to ask the deeper questions and pursue the search internally. True, true. Well, um, I'd love to hear more about your book, Meditation is a Way of Life. And nowadays we are hearing meditation more and more, and I'm hoping that it's not going to become some fad or a fashion statement that we tend to do all too well as Americans. But meditation is a way of healing. All the prophets meditated, and you definitely couldn't market it or sell it. But nowadays we've moved so far away from it that we are in need of tools of individuals who have perhaps walked that path or need to guide us from what they have um, accumulated from their pathway of meditation. So you've got a book out, Meditation is a Way of Life, and many people think of meditation as something that you do. Why do you consider it more a way of life? Well, um, really kind of hearkening to what you first said in terms of trends, you know, in the West... Uh, we tend to have a highly individualistic, somewhat skittish um, uh, mental construct when it comes to things um, 
dealing with spirituality. And there are a lot of people that uh, have uh, knee-jerk discomfort with anything that has to do with the language of God and spirit. There's, you know, people say that they're interested, but, you know, if you look at school systems and governmental systems, these are taboo things. So much in the way of meditation has infiltrated the Western consciousness through the medical paradigm and the use of certain techniques, which basically, I'll say, kind of strip mind the deeper purpose of meditation in order to deliver it in a uh, physical mental health paradigm. The truth is, is that meditation has been and always, um, yeah, always has been a, uh, purposeful practice for the attainment of spiritual realization. That's it, period. The use of different aspects in order to achieve certain byproducts, that's viable for certain things, but that's not truly what meditation is. So meditation as a way of life involves an understanding of life, a paradigm, a consciousness, and uh, using certain techniques that allow a person to realize things. It's not asking somebody to believe something so much as to discover it. And so um, a way of life implies aligning one's consciousness, one's life, uh, with universal laws that are not relative for uh, human uh, agreement or disagreement. It's just the way the co- it's the way the cosmos is structured. It's the way life is structured, and understanding and aligning oneself accordingly. Uh, meditation is one of the foremost techniques that allows a person to tap into these and to experience them personally, directly, and live harmoniously with the greater laws of the universe. Mm, beautiful. You know, you do discuss 12 principles of spiritual understanding, and while they're all important, which one would you most like to emphasize to our listeners today? Sure. Um, you know, I think that uh, the one that I that, that grabbed me when I was asked this question is, anything causing or promoting a sense of separation from God is delusory. Um, oftentimes there's a sense in many people's spiritual orientations or religious orientations of being apart or separate from. And the truth is is that um, the wave can never be separate from the ocean. And the nature of delusion or ignorance promotes a person to think that they are separate. And this um, has a cascading effect of causing all kinds of egoic difficulties, etc., and um, feelings, complexes, etc. And what I want to en- enforce for people is in their life, whatever, whatever they do, whenever they're confronted with a decision in their life, I would encourage them to recognize first and foremost that they are spirit, they're part of spirit. So anything that they do that helps to deepen that alignment and understanding, that is the direction that they need to choose. Anything that moves them further from that is the direction for them to avoid. The consequence of aligning deeper with the realization of one's spirit is greater peace, joy, um, warmth, love, understanding, etc., all the fruits of spirit. The things that come along otherwise, if one moves away from that, bring pain and unhappiness. So true, lasting joy living rightly, all of it involves aligning and understanding of oneself as spirit and deepening that relationship through direct connection. Beautiful, beautiful. Alan, um, what's your interpretation of God before we come to a close of our conversation? (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, 
small the, questions, you see? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I actually have a good answer for you. I think that um, the simplest way that I would say it is that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I, w- I would describe God as the supreme, ever newly conscious, existing and blissful, intelligent force that creates and guides all creation. And it has both a personal as well as a transpersonal quality. So I'm just kind of giving you the very quick skinny on that. Without intelligence, things can't operate. Without force, nothing can be brought forward. But qualities of God are joyful, transcendent, and there are eternal qualities that are associated with this. So that is the simplest way that I can uh, provide an answer for people Some folks like to think in terms of a personal divine. That's great. Uh, There is a personal quality. Some people prefer a non-personal, transcendental quality. That's fine, too. That's there as well. So obviously the divine is unfathomable to direct intellect. It has to be realized. But these are aspects that I think make it the simplest for people to grasp. Fantastic. Love it. Alan, thank you so much for joining us on the air. And uh, leave us with your favorite life quote and information that we can find more about you. Sure. I think my favorite quote is this. Forget the past. The vanished lives of all men are dark with many shames. Human conduct is ever unreliable until man is anchored in the divine. Everything in future will improve if you're making a spiritual effort now. That's my favorite quote for you. And uh, I think for people that would like to find out more about my book, my services, anything that I might be able to offer, I would just direct them to my website, which is www.awake-in-life.com. And Beautiful. Reverend Pritz, thank you so much for joining us on the air today. And keep up the thank good work. Thank you. Appreciate All right, it. take good care. You're welcome. So sometimes we just don't have to nail it on the head, you know. It's really practices and awareness and um, being more than perhaps just the doing, moving ourselves more in an inner dimension of paying attention to the qualities of the human spirit. Really, if we can just be good, then I think we can reveal God. An atheist came to the museum the other day featuring one of the belief series and he got up to walk away and he said, I don't want to hear all of this stuff about God and faith and I'm an atheist. And I remembered specifically telling him, great, so am I. So that means you love everyone. Because when you are an atheist, it means you've got it. You've you've got it. You you have a lot of love for all of your humanity. You can embrace everyone's story, appreciate where they're at, keep being a benevolent individual, um, keep being um, good in your expression. And I've found that if I'm not there naturally or fully, I might need an energy higher than myself to remind myself that I can do a little bit better, especially when it gets just way too too much. Hope you've enjoyed today's conversation with um, Reverend Pritz. Please visit him at awake-in-life.com. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. So let's do so. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.